Welcome into the Autzen Audibles podcast. I'm Matt Pray, Eric Scopel on the show as always. And today on this Monday edition of the show, we are going to take a look back at Oregon's linebacker core of the 2020 football season and also kind of discuss where is this program projecting now going into the 2021 offseason? What's the likelihood that this unit uh, is one of the better units in the entire country in the Pac-12. I think there's a lot of optimism with this unit and knowing who's back, who's healthy, who's joining the team, and all of that. But first, Eric, let's go back to the 2020 version of the Oregon Duck linebacker core. And I think this is one in which there was certainly a lot of bright spots, there was certainly a lot of what ifs and there was certainly also some, well, they probably didn't perform up to standard that we were expecting them to. And it's kind of a mixed bag overall. I mean, I, I thought Noah Sewell, obviously Pac-12 freshman of the year on the defensive side of the ball was a freshman All-American super standout player. I don't think Mace Funa um, started the year off strong. I don't think he played well in the middle of the year, but th- towards the end, he was the Mace Funa we saw at the end of last season. I think Isaac Slade was up and down, even though he was a guy that finished the year leading the team in tackles with Noah Sewell. Both guys had 45. Um, I, I think we saw some disappointment in some of the reserves, scholarship guys, to the point where they were having to play walk-ons ahead of scholarship yeah. guys. Uh, and so it was kind of a mixed bag. Yeah, I think I think I I think we agree on a lot of what you said. I think Noah Sewell is a budding superstar. I think Isaac Slade Matawatua. I don't think he played significantly better than he did the year before, but I think he is clearly was clearly a, a cornerstone piece and probably their most consistent linebacker. I think that's fair. I mean, I know he had some up and down moments, and I think I think the thing with him you notice is sometimes when you get him in space, he is susceptible to to missing tackles or, or being a step behind, and I think that's something to work on. Maybe some of that agility, quickness. Um, that's not to say he was, you know, consistently just getting destroyed by speedy guys in space. But I think there were times where that took place. And I think that was the case with, with Sewell as well, too. I kind of remember a couple of times against USC. And, and I certainly remember Jamar Jefferson kind of shaking him a couple of times. But, yeah, I think you felt really good about the play of those two for the most part. And then, like, Mace Funa at times was really good. But you're right. I think I think the thing that was a little disappointing was you look at guys like MJ Cunningham and Drew Mathis last year. Cunningham's left the program now, but the fact that, and I know Mathis had some injuries towards the end of the season, but the fact that like Nate Hukuliani, a walk-on, as you said, was was playing not just a little bit, but kind of a lot at times at the end of yeah. the season. He played a ton um, in the Fiesta Bowl. Yeah, in the Fiesta Bowl. I think he played a decent amount uh, in a couple of the later regular season games as well. Um, that was a little disappointing because this is a group that coming in, they have a ton of scholarship players, a lot of really highly regarded players, and uh, and for there to be a walk-on who kind of inserts himself into the equation like that it was a little disappointing. That's what happens with football. It was a COVID year. Samson knew a player who probably would have factored in, wasn't with the team. Adrian Jackson also got hurt. I think Jackson LaDuke got hurt. Justin Flo was injured. They, they dealt with a lot of injuries, but I, I do think that part has to at least be acknowledged. Um, I think – I think uh, I think injuries kind of really impact. You know, the more I think about, it, I think the injuries really sort of, or, or just the lot, the players that were missing kind of really 
uh, adversely impacted this group. And I think in a perfect world, you would have liked to have seen a lot more players out there at times. I mean, I think the fact that Jackson was unhealthy for parts of the season, that Flo never really was healthy and available. Samson knew sat the season. We don't know what his future holds with the program. You really just had Slade, Matatia, you know, I'll call him ISM, so I don't have to pronounce the last name. You had ISM, Sewell, and Funa were really consistent and played a lot and played pretty well. After those three, there was just a pretty big drop-off in terms of consistency, in terms of reps played. Um, I think Andrew Folliu actually had some nice moments. That's a player we haven't mentioned yet. I think that needs to be. He made a move from defensive end to, to a stud linebacker, played quite a bit out there, and, and had some decent moments. But I think all in all, um, this is a group where – they the top part of it was really good but the depth wasn't and i think the thing that gets exciting is you then turn to 2021 and everyone's back they don't lose anybody besides mj cunningham who was elected to leave the program um but everyone else is back and i look at this group and say they should be a heck of a lot deeper assuming everyone stays healthy um you'll have hopefully adrian jackson and justin Flo, who i think are two players who can push to start or be that caliber of players as either backups or as starters who maybe, you know, unseat somebody. I don't know if I expect any of those guys to really lose their job, but I think that part is what it gets exciting in 2021 where I go everyone of kind of importance is back. And not only that, but everyone should be healthy. And I wonder what this group's dynamic will be now that that's the case. You wonder how much does the change in defensive coordinator impact this position as well? Um, is Kayvon sure. Thibodeau, like – is he more right. of a stand-up outside linebacker than he is hand-in-the-dirt defensive end? Um, do we include him in this group? I think there's also a lot of question marks with some other guys on the team. I mean, we saw Isaac Townsend transfer out of the program as well on the outside. Where mm -hmm. does Andrew Folio sit? Where does Trevin Maai sit? Where does uh, Jaden Navarrete sit? Where does Adrian Jackson and Jackson LaDuke um, sit. I, I, I think the biggest one is Adrian Jackson. I mean, there was so much optimism with him going into the 2020 season because remember, he was going to start in 2019 and then got lost for the year days before week one against Auburn. Where, do, where does he fit now? Because in 2020, Adrian Jackson, uh, he played, he was a guy that saw action in four games, but he had just four total tackles. And you wonder, like, what – this was a guy that had a ton of intrigue, a ton of potential high praise heaped upon him. And 2020 was just not a productive year for him. Where does he fit within this linebacker core? I think, the, Yeah, I think actually, you know, we, we talk about this linebacker for 2021, and I really think a lot of it comes down to KT. Is, is what, what is he playing? And Tim Druder has already said that there will be more movement from him he might be playing with his hand down sometime, maybe standing others. What's the split there? Is he is he a traditional outside linebacker more than he is a hand in the dirt guy? And if that's the case, that really changes this dynamic. And I think you start thinking that I mean that that shuffles everything because, um, you know, is this more of like a, a traditional three four than it was a three three five the last couple of years really? Um, and and I know some people would argue that it already was kind of that, but. But it, it, I, don't, I don't know. From my perspective, it, it, was, it was always more like a 3-3-5 three, three, than it was a 3-4. Maybe we see a, a defensive back taken off the field to accommodate that, or maybe we see it stay that way, but Thibodeau pushes someone like Mace Funa off the field at times. I don't know. I think it's going to be interesting to see how that plays out. And Thibodeau is somebody whose versatility athletically, like I think DeRuder has to look at him and say, like, boy, 
250, he moves like that. My gosh, we've got to find ways to get him in space because and we've seen it now for two years where it's, you know, I think people have this perception that Thibodeau is so impressive purely as a pass rusher, and he's incredible in that area. And I'm not taking anything away from him. I think that's probably his most notable skill set. But I just think of all the times where, you know, there's a, a running back screen or there's a, a toss outside or even like a screen pass to a receiver where he just comes out of, you know, he runs, you know, east to west to just bring a guy down for a, a loss or for a shorter gain or to stop a first down. I, I, and, you know, we haven't seen him in coverage as a, as a linebacker. And I think that was something that Druder joked about, like, we'll use him in coverage sometimes. But we also realize that his biggest skill set is not in coverage. And he needs to be, you know, running around and getting after the quarterback or the ball carrier. But, like, I think his versatility is something that will be very interesting to see and how they choose to utilize him because he's clearly their best player on the team. He's the best offensive player they have. I'll be very interested to see how they want to utilize him. And I do think that has a ripple effect from a personnel perspective all the way down – the roster and all the way down the position group at linebacker. So that's going to be really, really intriguing. And a guy like Adrian Jackson, I think is directly impacted by Thibodeau. If Thibodeau is playing with his hand in the dirt a lot, Jackson probably sees the field quite a bit, you know, as an outside linebacker. But if, if, if Thibodeau is, is holding down the fort as one of the, the primary outside linebackers, I go to kind of go like, where does Adrian Jackson fit into this? Because I don't know if I have higher expect. I, I mean, I, I think, you know, you look at the players on the team, and I, I don't think he's better than Slade, Matuatia, Sewell, Funa, mm-hmm. probably Justin Flo. I think Samson knew if he comes back. And again, I don't, we don't have full clarity of, of what's going to happen there. Um, that's something we have to ask Cristobal or hopefully wait for some information to come down. Um, like maybe Adrian Jackson, best case is like the sixth or seventh linebacker and somebody who's really athletic and really intriguing. You know, how does, this, how does Deruder and the staff choose to utilize him? I agree. I think there's some real intrigue around the player. And I think, you know, just addressing a question you had earlier about the ceiling for this group. I think the ceiling for this group is higher on the defense than any other position group. Um, I think the pro talent on this group, and that's the way we would have expected with all the five stars, you know, with Sewell as a five star and Flo as a five star and, and Thibodeau, who's, you know, going to be playing some linebackers, a five star. Um, there's not a position on the team that has that kind of, that kind of firepower from a recruiting perspective. And, that's why I think this group's ceiling could be really, really high. I mean, they could be one of the best linebacker cores nationally. And, you know, we haven't spent a lot, a lot of time talking about Justin Flo. If he's healthy, this is a new defensive coordinator. Maybe Tim DeRuiter sees him and say, says, hey, uh, I love this kid. I want to get him on the field more. And maybe that cuts into the snaps that Slade Matoatia plays or that Sewell plays or that even KT or Funa plays. But I, I think... He's a bit of a wild card himself there. You know, I think Oregon has a couple of these guys. I mean, there's th- three players off the top of my head that I go like, boy, like what KT, Jackson, and Flo do really could determine a lot here. And like best case scenarios, those three guys are just difference makers. And if that's the case, you're talking about a group that is really, really talented and really, really deep and maybe goes six, seven where the drop-off isn't that high. And, and not only the drop-off isn't high, where maybe from situation to situation, from personnel package to personnel package, you can do a lot of fun things with just different groupings. Like imagine having a group out there where it's like, think about the athleticism and speed and agility uh, and ferocity from a group that would have like Kayvon Thibodeau at outside linebacker, Adrian Jackson and Justin Flo um, playing at other spot, you know, and maybe both an inside linebacker, like that, the, just the side to side athleticism from those guys it would be absolutely incredible. And then you, maybe the next time out, you can go a little bit bigger and thicker and you go Slade Mato, Atiyah, Sewell and Funa, three sturdier, more you know physical guys in space 
and then and then you're just completely different. So like, I, I, that's the thing that gets me excited with this group is I think you can piece together some stuff where you have these just these different weapons that you can use differently and attack offenses in different ways and 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 really throw some different looks at them. So I think best case scenario is all these guys kind of find their footing, and you just look at it and go, my gosh, Oregon from series to series, even play to play, just is able to do a lot of different things. Do we look at 2021 and the linebacker core that they've got? Funa, Sewell, Isaac Slade, Matuatia, Kayvon Thibodeau. Let's count him in there. Mm-hmm. Um, and then a second unit of Adrian Jackson and Justin Flo, Drew Mathis, and Andrew Falio. I don't feel like they can't, they can't come forward and be like, oh, well, we just didn't have proper depth. Like if things don't go well – they can't say, well, we just didn't have depth or we're continuing to rebuild and retool and, and add more talent. We need to keep adding more and more talent. Like I, I look at this and think they probably should be the best unit in, in the Pac-12. And you might make a case that they are the best top five in the country. Maybe. Is that too too much? Uh, I mean, I have to really assess some of the other teams nationally um like expectation wise like yeah like, i mean like the talent's crazy right i mean like if that's the group you're talking about like multiple five stars and multiple high four star recruits and guys who've produced at really high levels and like uh i, I mean i think the guys we I mean, like if you run through a list of kt adrian jackson isaac slade justin flo noah sewell um and mace funa like i think all those guys are going to be drafted and i think there's a chance that two or three of those guys are like first and second round picks like I think KT is obviously going to be that. I think we haven't seen flow play, but the ceiling is there athletically at least. And Noah Sewell, I think, is on his way to being that kind of a player too. Although that that position and um, as an inside linebacker, I kind of just wonder how that translates in terms of draft prospect. And I don't think that I mean, like, regardless of where he's taken, he's going to have a long NFL career and be a really successful player. Um, so, like, yeah, no, I, I, I mean, like, the from like a NFL talent perspective the ducks have never had a better group and i would think that there aren't a lot of teams nationally that have three to four to five guys that are like kind of bona fide pretty clear nfl first you know caliber guys especially with a group that has a ceiling that maybe has three of them that could go down as as first or second round picks um you know and i know the alabamas and clemson's and ohio states of the world they're always going to roll through you know groups that are similar so i mean that's kind of why i hesitate to, to call them the best nationally but like i think this core certainly from a pure talent perspective, has the chance to be the best in the Pac-12. Um, I think the thing that also needs to be noted, like just brought up here, is Oregon did bring in five true freshmen in its 2021 recruiting class. Like, are we expecting really any of those guys to be difference makers? And I, I say that not to discourage those guys and say they're not good, because you know Keith Brown and Jonathan Flo were four-star prospects, and and you know Jabril McNeil and Brandon Buckner and Terrell Tillman weren't far off from being that. I mean, this is a really talented group, but. Like, where is their opportunity, really? Um, I mean, I, I mean, like we said, like the depth that they have up front, you know, their top, they're, 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 uh, they're too deep is really, really impressive and bountiful. And I just go like, I think it's a pretty good group of guys they brought in in 2021, but do we really expect any of those guys to be contributors right away? Yeah, that's going to be the thing. And that's probably the positive, too, right? is that yeah. they're probably not going to have to contribute unless they are really good. I think Keith Brown's probably the only one that might be able to get onto the field uh, as a true freshman. Um, the kid, the four-star linebacker from Lebanon, um, just because like what, let's just say this scenario, Samson new does not come back. 
to Oregon. He, he set out the 2020 season, wasn't even in Eugene. Uh, he was back home with family dealing with the personal matter. Let's yeah. just say that, you know, he just decides, you know, what, I'm, I'm done. I need to move on. I've got more important things than playing a senior year, uh, as sad as that might sound. Uh, and then all of a sudden, you know, Mathis is more of like what he was in 2020 than what he was in 2019. And I think that opens the door maybe for uh, a Keith Brown to maybe get a little bit of run because you've already got Sewell. You've already got Isaac Slade, Matuatia, Justin Flo will be back. Um, you probably need five, you know, realistically inside linebackers, but that fifth guy probably won't play a ton. Yeah, agreed. And and so maybe can can you play Keith four games and still preserve his red shirt? Right, let's let's kind of end this linebacker discussion here. Like if we were and we're not, but like if we were the coaching staff and we're Tim DeRuiter and we're Ken Wilson and we're trying to piece together the best four linebackers. And I want to just let's include Kayvon Thibodeau and let's not even discuss like if he's a defensive end outside linebacker. Let's just say for this discussion, he's the best outside linebacker. Like, what's your best four? And I bring this up because I think we feel like it should be the continuity of the guys returning. But I also go, man, like there's a chance that that the best group that Oregon has at linebacker includes some guys that really didn't play linebacker. Are you talking flow? I think Flo, like, I mean, I, and I know, and then I don't want to go crazy here and say he's going to come in and push Isaac Slade out of the, the, the rotation because I think that's not going to happen. I really am a big fan of ISM and I have been for a while. I just think at some point you kind of wonder, like, what is his, what's Justin Flo's impact? Like, what really, like, what, what, what like, this is a, this is a second best recruit Oregon's brought in in program history. And for everything we've heard, he has not disappointed athletically. Um, I think there were some concerns about positionally and, and maybe the playbook stuff or maybe ISM, not, not maybe, I think ISM clearly is more advanced. He's older. He's been in the system longer. Um, Flo comes in as, as somebody who has to kind of, you know, learn some stuff between the ears. And, and as a linebacker, that's really important. But like, I just look at this and go like, is there a world where at some point this season you have a foursome at linebacker where it's literally three five stars and Mace Funa and Mace Funa probably would have been a five star if he hadn't torn his ACL. Like, could you like, is it crazy to suggest that at some point this season the main rotation at linebacker is KT at outside linebacker with Fun at the other, and then Flo and Sewell in the middle? I don't think so. Yeah, I, I think that's I think that's probably that's a possibility. I do wonder. I think Isaac Slade is maybe the most underrated linebacker or defensive player Oregon's had the last two years. I'm not going to argue that. I'm, I'm, we're on the same page. We really like him. I just think, like, could Flo push him out? Like, I, don't, I, I think I don't, there's I don't probably a better chance that I'm going to cheat with your question. <laughs> do it. Because uh, I always do that. I think there's a better chance Funa goes to um, – this is totally hypothetical. Move Funa to the end because ah. he popped up with the weight, put Flo on the outside, and start Isaac on the inside. I kind of love that. I kind of love that. I kind of love that. I think, you know, Funa from a size perspective, you know, he's somebody who he came in so heavy and he's like six three two. He's like a tweener. He really is. And so I kind of wonder like maybe that's what they do. And he plays your weak side defensive end spot. And that maybe that makes a lot of sense in terms of reshuffling. And again, this is speculation between the two of us. We aren't like, this isn't sourced or anything, but like, I, I kind of wonder if like, that's pretty exciting. You know, you think about that. If you had, Cave on um, Thibodeau and Flo on the outside. Those are two five stars. And then you have on the inside Slade Matuatia, who's your veteran. 
I know he's only a junior on paper, but really he's a senior. He's been around the program for, this would be, I think his fifth year with the program. Um, and then you've got Noah Sewell as the other inside linebacker. Boy, that is a, that is a really big athletic talented group. I mean, all those guys are like 230, 240 and above. Some of them are in the 260, 270 range. They're all long rangy athletes. All of those guys um, were big time recruits. I think Slade Matotia is like maybe the lowest of the group, but that might make the most sense. I mean, I'm just sitting here trying to think like, uh, part of me just thinks Flo might be, again, at some point this year, just almost too good not to have on the field all the time. And how do you accommodate that given what everybody, you know, given everything that's returning? Because it is kind of a difficult thing here where you have Slade Matotia and Funa who started and played a ton of snaps last year and were undoubtedly two of your best three linebackers. How do you really accommodate a guy like Flo who might just be too good not to play? I think the, the most likely possibility and a real good thing is Oregon will have no problem keeping fresh players on the field because yeah. they can, if they want, just continuously rotate at the linebacker spots so inside and outside to ensure that they have fresh bodies out on the field. And there will be very little drop off because as we've said that this, this group is loaded and yeah. I, I think going into the 2021 season, uh, this is as deep as a, as a unit we've seen in a long time. Maybe not the most productive. We, we'll see if that happens. But just pure talent-wise, it's it, it's up there. I mean, there's multiple NFL players on this roster. I, I think we're talking upwards of five guys that will find their way on an NFL roster at some point uh, when their college careers are over. And I don't know if you can say that in a previous year at Oregon where they've got five or six guys uh, that make it to the NFL from the linebacker core. Unprecedented, exciting, and certainly interesting offseason for the Ducks at the linebacker spot going into this 2021 offseason. It's going to do it for us here on the podcast today. Thank you for listening. And until we talk to you then, you've been listening to the Odds and Audibles podcast. Talk to you later, folks.